Are we so synced? Are we so synced? Are we sussynced? I'll tell you one thing. We're not sussynced. Is that am I saying that word right? Absolutely not. Say Succinct. 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 Okay, say the word C-L-O-T-H-E-S. Close. Do you say a T-H? No. I refuse. I I refuse on principle. (laughs) Quinn hates T-H. Quinn, as far as T-H T-H is is concerned, Quinn says it's her mortal enemy. Quinn can't handle a T-H. I can't handle a T-H. No, she loves a T-S. She can do a but she can't do a won't even do it look at her (gasps) did you do it (gasps) god it makes me feel like I'm in a seizure I'm gonna stop can I tell you something no all right fine fine, fine, this is gonna be a really awkward podcast then (laughs) really weird episode the one where Carrie wouldn't let me tell her something the one where the one where Carrie had to guess what Quinn was gonna say and it was a five hour long podcast and we got a quarter of the way through a story (laughs) <laughs> that is going to be that. That's that episode. I don't know how to tell you this because it's really crazy, but. Wait, is it good or bad? This is making me nervous. Yes. Has two young gals, um, daughters. Young gals makes it sound really weird. Um, Young daughters. And Thank you. they got a new. The clarification is welcome. They got a kitten and they couldn't find it the other day. For a really long time. And then they found it. And they found it in the dishwasher, which had been closed and run by one of the daughters. And that is where the cat also apparently was. That happened to my dad, my my grandma, when my dad was little. That Well, it wasn't the dishwasher. It, It wasn't the dishwasher. It was the dryer. Because cats like to go where it's warm. I and they will sneak believe in. that. They will sneak in. That happens. That's not that's not a rare occurrence. And it is that had to be horrifying. That had to be absolutely that's oh my god. Weirder is he than okay? that. They well, weirder than that, they were going on a trip. So they just put her him. It's a boy. It's a boy cat. They put him in the freezer and left. So, oh my god! Because I think it was like too much, probably emotionally to sort. We were like, "What do we now do?" Oh, how old is his daughter? Young enough, (laughs) like young. I don't know. Probably like I just twelve. I don't know. Young enough that she's gonna be like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah, but old enough where she's like running the dishwasher. That's so sad. It's bad. Oh my god, that poor girl. That's so sad. I don't know how you comfort a kid from that either. Although I will tell you, I. this summer when I, we were in Colorado and I was talking to my sister, she told me a horrible story. I don't know why I'm telling this to you. This is like the most downer episode I mean, in the world. I don't the know. It's the theme it's just, of the podcast, but I guess go for it. 
it's a mom that backed over her toddler and killed them. So no, she killed her stop, toddler with stop, the car. Stop, yeah. Stop, I just stop, stop, couldn't. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Take it away. Take it away. Say it. Don't say it. Reverse it. Take it out of my head. I can't. <gasps> I couldn't. I think I, I just. You did it because you wanted to share it because it was sitting in your head and it's been living in there. It has been in that heavy way where you're like, that's yeah. a too unfair an amount of grief for anyone to be like saddled with in this life. Like that is like far too much. That I had the same reaction you did, where I was just like, undo, undo, delete, delete, control, like, alt, delete. No, 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 no. Uh, command Q, command Q, yeah. command Q. Get, get me command the fuck Z. out of here. Eject, eject, eject. Power down, power down. That um, I can't. Uh, I, it's. Uh, yeah, correct. Uh, everything you just that, said is right. It's everything I did. I I wouldn't. I didn't say I. Um, I'm malfunctioning. I'm short circuiting. That is horrifying. Cause you, and again, you just want to blame. Ugh, I can't imagine as a mother grieving that poor thing, poor baby, poor family, poor everyone, poor, poor everyone. everyone. Merry Christmas. Oh my God. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's like, how do you, I really put us in a corner there with that. You really put me in a corner. Nobody, Nobody puts baby, puts in, a baby in a corner except I do um, on occasion. Except you do on occasion. Call CBS. Um, by the way, by the way, um, for Halloween coming up this year, <gasps> um, you can't. I have to tell you, I've been meaning to talk to you about it. I don't think you can be Barbie because it's too overdone. I think for you, Quinn, I, I, I've got news for you. I'm not going to be Barbie because. I've been told what I'm going to be by Koa. I've been cast. You've been cast. The die is cast. You booked it. I booked it. Wait, is this... Wait, 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 though. Are you a scab? I thought you were striking. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Scab Quinn. No, uh, wait, can you tell us what you booked? I'm doing it pro bono. I am Mad-Eye Moody. Oh, my God. Typecast? Typecast. Who's that actor's okay. name? That's that big Irish guy from I in love him. Well, more yeah. importantly, are you going to be him? Or are you going to be him post Polyjuice Potion in book four? Doesn't are matter. They look David the same, Tennant, right? But you could be David Tennant as Meta as Barty Crouch as Meta well, Moody. Um, we are so on book four. Ever, so Koa doesn't know about the Polyjuice Potion yet. He just knows that Mad Eye Moody is weird looking. So he cast me as Mad Eye Moody. He cast Matt as Snape, which is going to be so good because Matt with a black bob. <laughs> can do a very good. I love. <laughs> like, I want it to be he's like a look really like, gorgeous he's gonna woman's look like wig. Madeline. <laughs> yes. he's gonna look, yes. Is he going to do his best Alan Rickman? Oh, God. I love Alan Rickman, so I hope so. Who doesn't? I hope so, too. And then uh, I think that Griff is Dobby, if he'll do it. He'll wear a pillowcase. (laughs) It's going to be cute. With one little sock. Yeah. It'll be really cute, right? It'll be really cute. Yeah. And then what's Koa going to be? Hermione. Hermione. Yeah. Are you going to give him a wig? No, his hair's he's been growing his hair all summer and it's it's really cute. I just cut the bangs, so now he looks like um a little bit like Lord Farquaad, like a prince. Like 
kind of like a bob with bangs, but then the back is never brushed. So he's kind of like prince in front, surfer in the back. It's I like what's happening with it. It's really been a journey for all, <laughs> us all. But happy Halloween. I mean, I can't wait. Oh, God. We went to Home Depot the other day and Griff was in the cart and we walk in the store and it's fully a million Halloween uh, decorations and displays and animatronics. Yeah. Griff lost his damn mind. Like his body language was hysterical. Like imagine he's in the grocery cart, but he is leaning as far back as he possibly can going, no, 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 just screaming. And we were like, it's okay. We Wait, won't get any closer. It? He, he hated was, it? He was so scared. And this is the same age Koa got scared. Like two, three, they have this thing where at first they can be near any they don't of that get stuff. Scared. It does nothing. They do, yeah. And then suddenly it's terrifying. And then they come out on the other side again a lot of the time. Well, at least that's what happened with Koa. But Griff is like, this is way too scary. But we let them buy because Halloween's really my soft spot. So I picked something and they each got to pick something. And we now have a lot of animatronic things in the house. Um <laughs> We have like a rotten pumpkin that yells at you, and we have a cat. Ooh, what that does it yell? Eyes all kind. It's four sayings. I think my favorite one is like, um, "Are you here for a treat or a trick?" <laughs> and I, there's like a lot like that. And there's a cat that screeches and has green eyes. And then I got a bartender for the porch. Wait, a bartender? Fully. An animatronic bartender. Quinn. I can't wait to Too much? Too much? Not enough. I mean, I'm in. I'm in. I'm so in. Matt was pretty surprised by the behavior going on. Where he, like, I've been so tight with money. And then we went into Home Depot and I was like, (laughs) decorations for everyone. Like, we can buy anything if it is Halloween themed. Quinn, though, at that point, though, I do think, like, treats are okay, and treats for you are okay. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, I know you've been feeling feeling tight about it, and I get that. I feel similar, although I, I know I'm not taking care of two kids, so I know it's different, but you deserve a treat, too. You deserve some time. You deserve some joy, and sometimes that joy comes in buying, and that's okay. That's okay. You're forgiven. Halloween does bring me a ton of joy, and now that it's starting to be fall, I'm feeling... Like this is my this is my time to shine. This is my season. Um, what are you most excited about besides Halloween decorations? Oh God, I you know are when you, you just get excited to be, to be my chilled? age, Carrie, you're so are you lucky. Excited? If there's one thing you're excited about, please don't make me think of a second. Do you? Are you just so excited to have a little cozy chill going on in your life? We're not there yet. No, I know. Are you? Are, but are you? That must like. That's going to be great. I'm excited for school to be like two weeks in. Like, um, yeah. You know, we're, we, you know, folks, that we record some of these sessions earlier than they're put out, and right now school's just starting, and so I feel like there's a lot of unknown, and I have like that nervous pit. My kids don't yet, but like I'm like I got to get the hang of this. Who are these teachers? What are these classes? What is this going to be? all about and what's your new schedule my anxiety is do throw roof that makes sense and I think also you throw yourself into for the wolves in a lot of ways because I feel like 
you know, June, July, you have like a very regimented schedule with the kids. You have plans, you have like all set out because you've planned it. And so you know the commitments, you know the times. And then I think August, you you beautifully throw caution to the wind, go see family, go travel a lot, go to different places, go hang out with your mom and your sister on their birthdays, you know, all the fun stuff. Um, I think with, I'm just seeing this, so I want to take a look, sorry. Oh, I just thought you could lead because I always lead. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, so I think... But so I think it's really hard because you're like you've had schedule freedom and now you have to go back to schedule. And I know that's something those changes can cause a lot of anxiety for but sure. You got this. You're going to be great. You're going to be so great. Um, by the way, you're listening to Truly Darkly. Creepily. That's Carrie Ipema. And that's Quinlan Posner. And we need to thank our dearest readers we have some new people who joined patreon and we're so excited to sing a little song for maria s maria s come on down you're the next contestant on the song is wrong maria s maria s your song is wrong your song is right no wrong maria s maria s you are such a sassafras you do everything with finesse. That's why we love you, Maria S. Now let's sing a next song. Okay. Linda G. Linda, Linda G. G. I wish I had a guitar to strum right there because that's what I pictured. Strum. You know, my ukulele is at your house. Do you want to go get it really fast? Nope. My kids are out there, and it will not be really fast. Just picture All right, strum. Next. I'll add it later. No, I okay, won't. Okay, Linda G. Linda G. Can you can you play the? Can you just do like a little guitar, and I can just talk to Linda G. We're not free. <laughs> you are such a plea. Sure to hang around. I'm not upside down. Linda, Linda G. Let's move to the next song. Caroline P. I'm sorry. It's Carolina, Carolina. I think Carolina it's Carolina. P. Let's go Carolina P. Carolina, Carolina, I always lean on ya when I need a ya for support. <laughs> Carolina, you're making Quinn's shoulders go up and down her body. She is dancing like a star, but you cannot see because it's a podcast. Carolina, she has a whole choreographer for you. Carolina, we love you. Here's what's funny is I am in an, an Airbnb mm-hmm. and my friends are in the other room and I still, I feel self-conscious oh, about the songs. Totally. So I'm that makes sense. It's so uncomfortable. That's also good because you I were know. like, I'm recording so you guys need to be quiet and then you're just like singing. <laughs> it's horrifying. It's absolutely just, abs- it's horrifying. I have to be like, hey, I'm singing a weird song and they're like, people listen to that? I'm like, it's a great question. I don't know. I don't know why, but it happens. And so Gen H, this one is for you. Gen H. Gen H, Gen H. She's not Gen Z, she's Gen H. It's the better Gen. Everybody knows it's superior. It's the best Gen you could ever be. Sitting on a knee, get stung by a bee. What the hee hee hee? Love you, Gen. Love you till the end. Uh, 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 uh. 
Jen. All right. Well, I, I have nothing to add. I have absolutely nothing to add. I have everything to gain. Uh-huh. Um, thank you so much. And if you donated, don't worry. You're coming up soon. It's don't not too fret. late to quit. <laughs> it's not too late to quit. You can leave at any time. Um, <laughs> the hey, door's Quinn, always open. Mm. The door's always open. We're not here. We're not keeping you here. Okay. We're not. We're not trying to abduct you. We're not trying to kidnap you. We would never. We don't want you here against your will. We want you to hear be a fear of your own free will. Which, speaking of which, Quinn, you have a little story for me? I have a long story for you. This is okay, the story. Okay, it's a long story for me. Here we go. It's the story of Doris and Bob Angleton. And I read so much on this. Fine Law, New York Times, Guardian, Austin Chronicle, Reddit. I know, but they had a good timeline. USDOG, Houston, Texas Chronicle, Texas Monthly, US CBS DOG? News, Washington Post, DOG CBS. DOJ? DOJ, US of course. D- <laughs> Did you say D-O-G? The U.S. US dog. dog. (laughs) (laughs) I got my information from U.S. dog. I don't know. I'm talking to people about about this. I'm talking to animals. I want to get everybody's take on what happened here. But the main news source I will shout out loudest is, of course... My buddy Skip Hollinsworth. What? Oh, Texas Monthly. Okay. Also, a CBS article by Leon Kelly and Jenna Jackson was very, very helpful as well. What a what a what a change in dynamic when you gave those two citations. We just Skip and about, I like, go way back. Really, really hype about Skip, and then you're like, but seriously, another really great. And I mean, I, just I love yeah. the change of vibe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I know. Get that back stretch. Try and Doris and Bob Angleton. Doris is married when she meets Bob and he says to her husband at this party they meet at anytime you decide to get rid of that pretty lady. I want to know about it. And that actually works out for him because they get a divorce and he does find out about it and he does go after her aggressively and win her hand in Mirage. So now they are a couple. They live in River Oaks, which is fancy as fuck Houston. They have like a Tudor house and they're killing it. They have twin girls. And when we come into our story, they're going to private school because they're 12. And the thing about Doris is she's totally hot and totally nice and everybody loves her. And he's, Bob is good looking too. And I think athletic, but kind of an asshole. Like just like his vibe is that he'll like yell at the girls at their softball games, which he coaches and he'll yell at his wife. Some not yell at his wife, but like be like, what are you dumb? Like I get that feeling that it was not, people are watching this couple. So just like really bad jokes, like really bad. What are you dumb? Yeah. He no, he sounds like he's like a patronizing. He's just like not a good dude. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. let me put it in perspective. Let me tell you what he does. People oh, don't shit. know what he does. They just know he's really rich, so there's a lot of gossip about it. But really what he does is he's a bookie. He just takes sporting bets. So people are clocking those rumors. This guy is working all the time, but that's his his quote job. He works like 18 hours a day. I don't think he's home a lot and I don't think Doris and him are doing great in their marriage. I mean, I don't know why I'm acting like I don't think that. I know that because <laughs> Doris is unhappy, even though they're really, 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 really rich. One police source told the Houston Chronicle that they think that he was taking in 20 to $40 million in bets each year. That's not what he was making, but still, he's really busy. She's really lonely. That's and a lot of money. After the kids go to bed at night, she gets on the computer and she gets on, do an AOL sign-in sound. 
So Doris, you've got mail. Oh, boy, does she? She's in a forties and up chat room, and she guess what her name is? Doritos. Oh, oh cute. Love that for her. Did Love she it do too. that first? I bet Dorito came after her for sure. Uh, for that Dorit for sure did. So. She meets a lot of people that she's just regular friends with. She's just chatting. And she is pretty openly somebody that discusses maybe her marriage not being great. And she meets a guy on there that is a married stockbroker. And they're chatting it up a bunch. And then they start meeting. They start talking on the phone. Then they start meeting. Then they start, like, going away on full-blown weekends together. Okay. Okay. All right. Like okay, so two months fair. after meeting him, she, but well, it is, but like right after she meets when? him, she files for what divorce. Do you mean? Well, I'm just saying, like, she's like, I want a divorce pretty much right away. She doesn't tell Bob okay. she met another guy, but she's like, I'm okay. not happy. That's not news to you. We're okay. going to end this. We don't have to tell the girls. Let's do everything out of court. Like, they're privately agreeing that he, he's just going to give her half his money, which seems very generous um, for somebody so into money. I get a weird read on that, but I also get a weird read on that because two months after that, in February of 1997, she gets murdered. Oh, shit. Yeah. So That took a surprising turn. <laughs> did it? I knew where it was going, so it's hard for me to feel the surprise, <laughs> but... I just mean, like, it feels like she divorced the guy. He was... Uh, yeah, but... I, I, okay. Maybe, she that, didn't divorce him yet. Me. I think they're still married when she gets murdered. But what happens is they're so amicable that the day before she gets murdered, it's her birthday party and he throws her a party at a restaurant and everybody's there. And like the way they're acting is like very close, like laughing together. Then the next day they have a, one of the girls softball games, which remember he coaches and Doris drops them off. And then Bob's like, oh, one of them left their bats at home. And she's like, I'm going that way to change. I'll grab it. She goes home, they do practice, they do a game, she doesn't come back. He's calling her, she's not answering, and then he drives the girls home, and he says as soon as they pulled up, he saw that the back door was open, and he calls 911. The girls are still in the car, and he runs into the house, and, like, the police officers come, and they're like, we found her. She's been shot seven times in the head and five times in the chest. And oh, God. her her two little girls are there, and they're just, you know, beside themselves. Ugh. The next day, her brother comes and does a walk through the house, and he's just noting that it doesn't seem like there was a forced entry. There's no broken glass or anything, and it doesn't feel like burglarized. Like, it's not like the house yeah. is upside yeah. down. So he's like, okay, that's interesting information. Whoever came here came here to kill my sister. Why? So, of course, a lot of people in the neighborhood are like, well, that guy's a bookie. He's not very trustworthy in our minds. Um, And it's not necessarily that they're like, he's a bookie. He killed his wife. I think it's more that they're like, he's a bookie. He has nefarious dealings with people. It could be a disgruntled customer. It could be... you know, it could be competition. It could be somebody that's like, if this guy's not right. taking the bets and I'm taking all of them, what's that do for me? Still, I don't know why murdering the wife would be necessarily the solve on that. Um, the thing is, he's also 
he's taking bets from people, but it's not like low lives. It's like right. high lives. It's it's Miller high lives. It's people. Well, it's fancy people, and he even knows the cops. Like he has good relationship with the members of the police department. Because right. even one of them says that he was not a formal informant, but he was an informal informant, which sounds like a cool nickname. The informal informant. <laughs> oh, it's got a great it's got a great ring to it. It's got a good mouth feel. Um, yeah, but I mean, I understand if somebody's like, oh, her ex is a bookie and yeah. he knows people. It's probably more than like it was the doctor ex-husband. You totally. Know, I think have He's a bookie. Total, sure. And they're rich. Yeah. So they, they judge things. Um so they're saying that and he's coming out to say, listen, I didn't have we had a really good relationship. I didn't have any idea about this affair. But, you know, there's a woman that was friends with Doris that says, I don't know, Doris kind of felt like he was following her up until she got killed, like checking in on her. If she said she's somewhere, he's calling to see if she's really there. You know, if they got divorced, she stood to make this pile of money. And not only that, but. Because he was doing something illegal and she knew a lot of the details on it, she did have the power to pressure him if he had all tried to say, I'm not going to give you this money in this divorce or something. Right. right. Um, so, you know. She had leverage. Yeah. It's a little, it's all over the place. So they're kind of like, Bob, got any ideas? The police are? Because they're like, we're kind of looking at you, pal. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, six weeks prior to this happening... I got a letter from my brother extorting me. And my big brother has always kind of had a thing with me, a jealousy thing, because I'm the successful one. And he always, you know, needed my help. I hired him at one point to work for me. He did such a bad job that I then had to fire him like a year later. And bottom line, he came back at me and was like, you still owe me money to the tune of like 200 grand. Um, They are going to figure, you know, so then they're going to figure out a payment plan. And then he gets a call. The brother's name is Roger. It's Roger and Bob. So Roger calls Bob and is like, I've got a real estate thing for you to come check out. Bring $200,000 in cash and come meet me at this parking lot. And he comes and then Roger pulls out a stun gun. And it's just like a, a ruse to try to get money from him. And Bob gets away. But it's not like they're very chill. He, Their relationship it, seems very, very intense. It's got high speed chases. You, if that is if that is your relationship with your sibling, I'm not someone who usually condones like cutting people out, but that seems like someone you should cut out. Well, like he can't you. really just cut him out because he will do things like he, you know, he really feels like his brother owes him money. So he does stuff like he calls Bob's clients pretending to be the IRS. And saying, do you deal oh, with God. this guy, Bob Angleton? So then the client will say, I'm not fucking placing any more bets with you. That's scary. So he's losing business because of his brother. And he's he's kind of a weird guy, Roger. He seems really off. He would do things like, oh, rent on a place and just vanish in the middle of the night, never to be seen. From, you know, like he's like a, yeah. doesn't deal with he's money or people. Well, yes, exactly. He's a loose cannon. So he says, I had started to pay my brother this money. Um, and he wanted the money faster than the rate that I was paying it to him. And he sent me this note that was really threatening that said, I will hurt you in a way that will be with you for the rest of your life. And I just ignored that letter. But then six weeks later, my wife is dead. So 
I think it's you Roger. tell me. So you tell me. Yeah. Right. And they're like, well, we will tell you where the hell's Roger. We can't find him. So it takes them like two months to find him. And the way that they find him is that he gets arrested somewhere else. He gets arrested in Vegas for having um, a, like a fake passport or fake ID. So they put him in jail mm-hmm. and then they go, OK, he's in jail. Give us his stuff. And they search the suitcase he had on him when he got arrested and they find typewritten notes that have Bob and Doris's gate code and alarm code and like layout of the house. They have well, that's a smoking gun. They have a note saying how the murder should be committed. It says, let dog out, wait in kitchen, subject comes home, hit immediately. If with either girl, leave via back entrance, leave gate open or leave sign in front of house that it is done. I mean, so that's in his bag. Okay. All right. Well, those seems that seems like an instruction manual. There's cassette tapes, audio cassette tapes of him and another man planning Doris's murder for money. And there's does it sound like his brother? Some say it does, and some say it don't. Is this one of those things where we won't know? Mm, I'm not going to answer that. Okay. So, some of the quotes on here say things like, I think you ought to blow her away. Go out the front door and just blow her. Boom, boom, boom. And then when she's down, I go up to her first and finish her off. And then another guy says, you're waiting. She comes in, all right. You hit her. And the other guy goes, right. And he goes, so that means you kill her and go. And the other guy goes, right. So they're really talking through this stuff. But one of the reasons the prosecutors will say that has to be Bob Angleton is that there are moments on the tape that, okay, things like they say, I thought you decided you were going to put her in a little cage. And they're talking about the dog. So whoever is hiring this hit is concerned concerned about the dog. It's a safety thing, it sounds like to them. They don't want the dog to get hurt. The other thing they find on this tape that makes it look like it could be Bob is she'll have to tinkle so she'll go right in the bathroom by the door. Now, the way he's saying it, it's like whenever this woman comes home, she has to pee right away. She goes to like. So here we are and the twins are turning 13 and Bob is getting arrested on suspicion of killing their mother. Now, all they're asking Roger to do, they say, we're going to let you off. And he probably killed her so it's like we're gonna let you off but you gotta incriminate your brother um and what we think happened is we think that you went from california to houston to surveil to in order to commit this murder and that you met with your brother to finalize it and that you you were um and that you were going to kill her and your brother bob was going to mislead us but you didn't get that opportunity because we found you and we found all this evidence, okay? So you basically, this is your way out. Roger wow. doesn't know what to do at this point, I don't think. But what he does do is he starts having chats with this wannabe aspiring true crime writer at the time, Vanessa. Her, her name is spelled L-E-G-G-E-T-T. So either Legit or Legit, which I like Legit because if I like you're like legit. trying to be a- go legit. Yeah, if you're trying to be a reporter, I love that your last name's legit. She's trying to write a book on this whole thing, and she's not really written anything at this point, but he's talking to her, and he tells her, according to her, 
that it was Bob's idea. He wanted me to kill his wife. And so they're like, well, this woman is saying this. We really have to figure this out if this is true. But guess what then happens? Roger kills himself in prison. (gasps) He slits his wrists. And next to his body, he leaves a suicide note that confesses to the shooting and says, my brother had nothing to do with it. I was trying to frame him. I was trying to extort money from him, and he wasn't involved. This was all me. It was an act of revenge. Vanessa, who has been talking to him at length, says, no way. Roger felt really guilty because he blew this whole thing up by getting caught in Vegas with all this evidence on him. The only he was going to go to jail. The only thing he could do, the only action he had available was keep his brother out of trouble. And this was how he chose to do that. No fucking way. He's trying to get his brother off. So they'd go to do a trial in July of 1998. It's been like a year afterwards. And the best evidence they have is this audio tape. But it doesn't matter. It's probably a shitty audio tape. It's like you can't use voice identification. A hundred percent. And that's what the jury says. They say, we don't know if it's him or not. So he gets acquitted because that's like their main evidence. So they're like, we got to acquit him. And the prosecutor's like, no way. We've got to get this guy. And they're set on it. So they're working really, really, really hard. And they find a way to prosecute him a second time at the federal level where they're like, this is going to go back to court for murder for hire charges okay at the federal level and they're like you know that suicide note that's hearsay that's inadmissible that can't be used in this trial and Vanessa has these tapes from her interviews where you know they're really incriminating they're like Bob talking to they're Roger saying that Bob said he had problems with Doris that he wanted me to kill her He talks about exactly how he went about doing it, how he came in at seven at night that waited when she got close. He jumped out with these two guns and shot her and that they made this deal that Bob was going to pay him to kill her. And then he had to disappear and keep quiet forever. And that the letter to him, the threatening letter was all part of the plan because they were like, okay with Roger being incriminated he just was never going to be found was the big idea but then roger kept the cassettes and stuff as an insurance policy like you can't fuck me because i can fuck you but then instead of getting to use those tapes as like a bob's trying to fuck me but he can't they just got found and he fucked everybody you know the federal yes so the federal prosecutors are like well vanessa we need your tapes but we also really need she had all these unnamed sources that had like really good information and they're like you have to tell us about your confidential sources and she's like look I'll give you the tapes I'm not going to do that and so they are like you're found in contempt of court she goes to jail for five months for this for not giving up her sources and the federal prosecutors are like you're not a journalist because she hasn't really written anything yet so like you don't get first amendment protection it's just absolutely crazy so does her case go all the way to the supreme court um um 
I don't know. What I do know is that she holds the record for serving the most time to protect source material and that she never did give up her sources. Um, and that she's like later won awards for her work and stuff. Very unfortunately, when I tried to find the book she actually wrote on this, it is out of print. I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but Ugh, 168 days like in jail for this. Crazy. Um, so that was like a whole wackadoo side note that happened. Um, now, re- they're going to bring him back for this federal trial. And what happens is he vanishes. Bob Angleton <gasps> vanishes. And he leaves behind a journal that's I presumably for his girls to find. And it says, going to jail for life is for sure a dead end. So this is the only choice. Saying goodbye to life and leaving with one small suitcase and one carry-on. Imagine trying to repair your life with the possibility that you'll never hold or hug your children or your friends ever again. So he flees, but he gets found immediately, like 24 hours later in Amsterdam. So, But he's in Amsterdam, and he has a fake passport, and they find him, and they're like, you're busted. And he's like... He, like, knew he was, like, trying to cross the border and they're looking at it long enough that he's like, okay, my goose is cooked. So he says the reason he did it is he's like, I didn't do it, but I knew that I would be safe and, like, it was the only idea I could come up with. And his defense attorney is so pissed that he's, like, trying to quit. He's like, I'm not going to try this guy. That was nuts that he just did that. So they apprehend him and America's like, hey, Amsterdam, Give us uh, Bob Give him so back. we can do the, the federal trial. And they're like, no, that amounts to double jeopardy in our language, in our freaky deaky oh. Dutch. So we're like, we're not going to give him back to you. If you want, we notice that you have these other uh, charges against him that are like tax evasion. You can extradite him. On tax evasion, but we will not give him back to you to be tried for this federal murder case. So they're like, fuck. So he goes home and in 2005, he gets convicted of tax evasion and passport fraud. And he's sentenced to 12 years in prison and he's fined $125,000, which is obviously he like. It, they were punishing him for the other crime. How, 12 years. Is, I mean. Yeah, so he starts crying. He's like, he's weeping and like, oh my God, and I don't have any money and you're finding me all this money and I don't have any money. I used all my money for, you know, To flee the country. And to, the government to, to, them. to skirt responsibility. And he's like, and now my kids are 20 and they both want to go to college and I don't have any money for that. And they're like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Didn't you have $1.1 million? Wasn't there a $1.1 million education fund for your girls? And he's like, I had to spend it all. I had to spend it on lawyers. And they're like, Ugh. That's illegal. What we will say is we can't say you're guilty of murder, but what we can say is that your illegal activities appeared to have played some role in the death of your wife and of your brother. That's what the judge in that trial says. So he's like, fuck you. You're going to jail for 12 years. And that's it. Period. He gets released in 2012. And that is the story of what happened to him. And he I'm so sorry to say it looks really bad. Oh, his daughters, his daughters 100% do not think he did this. They, 
They absolutely don't okay. think he did this. They're, he loved her. He loved our mother. And Nikki Angleton has spoken out a lot about it. And she's and she says the sweetest thing that she says about her mom. I'm going to read it. She says, I remember really specific things. Like every morning we would wake up to her laughing. And she had an incredible laugh. Like a really, really loud, really like vibrant. And it just made you want to mm. get up and go downstairs and see what's going on. And oh. I love that quote because that is she lights up a room with real personality behind it. That is I can picture that and I love it. And everything that everyone said about this woman that died, Doris, was that she was just phenomenal. She was just so kind and so magnetic. Do you think he did it? Yeah, I think he hired his brother. I don't think his brother was lying to Vanessa. I also just like the hiring the your brother. The thing that doesn't make sense to me is like, this is a brother who's been blackmailing you and you have a shitty relationship. Why are you hiring him? I don't understand that. That I, I can't get behind. I, I don't know how much. So everything I told you, we know from him. So it's this thing where I'm also like, I don't know what is the true history Real. of that yeah. relationship and what is Bob Angleton's version of the history of Bob and Roger's relationship. Roger's not here to negate any of that information. So it, it was pretty easy for him to say what he wants us to believe. But it's a very strange story. Robert, Robert clearly was living with a lot of guilt. That's dark. Um, thank you for sharing that story, Quinn. You're welcome. Okay, this next story I got because I was on the City of Dead Ghost tour here in Edinburgh. And so it's a little spooky. It goes a little old. It goes a little history. That's for you, Quinn. Um, and it, you we're going to bring it back history. to contemporary times, which is very fun. Okay, so I got this information from Wikipedia, The Guardian, Evening Standard, Daily Record, and of course, The City of Dead Ghost Tour. Shout out to Hess, an amazing tour guide. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little backstory just historically because it pertains to this person. So in Edinburgh, there's this guy, his name, Sir George Bloody Mackenzie. Not a great guy. We don't love him. Not a great name. Not a great name. Not a great name. Not a good guy. So Sir George Mackenzie, what he does is part of his deal is he's like a higher up. He's like a lord. He's a he's a guy who like loves the king. Um, Specifically, he works for Charles II. If you want to know where he's at in terms of like Queen Mary, it goes Queen Mary, then Mary, Queen of Scots' son, James. And then James two, and then, you know what? Actually, you don't need to know who this is. Okay, so <laughs> he's working for Charles two. Okay, so Thank bloody God. George Bloody Mackenzie is working for Charles two. Now the thing about Charles two is Charles two is a bit of a narcissist, and Charles two, what this is something that I learned while I'm being here, while I'm here, in England they believe that the king is appointed by God. So King God, Mismo, same. And in Scotland, they believe that God is God and the king is king, and that's it. They're two separate entities. So what was happening was, is you had all these people in Scotland who believed that the king was separate from God, um, two very powerful figures, but like, you know, they got church, they got they got their king. Charles II, when he came to power, he was like, you know what, actually, I kind of am into how the English feel about kings and shit so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna like burn all the texts in scotland so that you'll only have one text to read and so i'm king i'm god that's it now 
The people in Scotland, I think there are many times where they tried to fight the English for being kind of turds in this respect. So (laughs) the Scottish folks were like, listen, we're not going to take this sitting down. It is 1679, 18,000 men go down to England to fight for their independence. It does not go well. 1,200 men are taken in as prisoners of war and they are taken back to Edinburgh and they're put in this like little area that I went into. It's this like back area. It's an open pit, um, what people consider to be the first concentration camp. There was no food. It was horrible conditions. It was open air. The only time they would get food is if guards threw some food in and then they watched them struggle and fight for food. Um, after a couple of months of 1,200, again, of these 18,000 men are in this open-air pit, at this point after a couple of months, only 257 remain. They then take the 257 men, they put them in a ship, and they say, you're going to the colonies to do work. They ship these guys off. The ship fucking wrecks. 48 people then swim to shore. So just in all, out of this Scottish independence, these Covenanters, 18,000 men started, 48 make it to shore. So the area that these men are kept in They all buy lottery tickets. (laughs) They all buy lottery. No, they've used all their luck. But the area that this place is is super haunted. Um, They put us in like one of these little rooms and they talk to us for 10 minutes and they say that people experience scratches people experience like freezing cold like an ice bucket of water like it's the ALS challenge and it's 2018 Um, (laughs) they experience bruise there's fainting I mean who knows again like mass hysteria is a thing Uh, or people are very easy to persuade in that moment Um, the power of suggestion is strong Um, but what's significant about this is the person that was in charge of this these horrific conditions was Sir George Bloody Mackenzie. And what's fascinating is right next to this open air pit where these men were kept and died and and treated like absolute animals, about 20 feet away is a huge mausoleum dedicated to Sir George Bloody Mackenzie, which is just, it's just sick, right? Mm -hmm. He dies in 1691 and his mausoleum is like the biggest in this cemetery and it's just feet away from where he tortured men. Um, and so there is talks that there is a Mackenzie poltergeist and the more they talk about, the more occurrences there are. And again, their reasoning is that a poltergeist feeds off of energy. And sometimes what happens is a poltergeist is, is awoken, is awoken, is, um, is that right? Awoken? I definitely think it would be weird if you said the poltergeist is woke. <laughs> so, you yeah, let's weird go with damned. it. No, 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 no. Stay back. I'm actually going to go back and Stay I'm going to double down. Stay I'm going to double back. I'm going to go back and I'm going to double down, which I'm going to say the poltergeist gets woke um, <laughs> in like after a couple of occurrences. And again, the poltergeist, woke poltergeist it's so hard to say it's a woke poltergeist because I want to be very clear. I don't think Sir George Mackenzie, Sir George Bloody Mackenzie was woke, but his poltergeist was woke mm-hmm. in that he was aware and sentient. So 
They say these occurrences started like really doubling down in 1999 when this homeless guy was out one night and it was raining as it does in Scotland and he was looking for shelter and he found his way into this mausoleum because it has a it has an area at the top and he's hiding under stuff and he starts digging down and he opens one of the areas of the mausoleum and he finds a bunch of caskets there coffins he's able to like open one area moral of the story this guy falls down into like pits below the mausoleum Mm -hmm. where apparently is a mass plague grave burial area so there's like bones and shit everywhere not a good situation so they say that like after this happened there were a lot of spirits and sightings and activity happening and then we're going to flash forward to june 30th 2003 because this story blew my fucking mind there's this kid his name we know is Sonny Devlin. Sonny Devlin is 17 years old in 2003. And he's hanging out with his friends in the area nearby called Bristow Square, which is actually where my show was. With He's with his other 15-year-old friend. We would, we don't know the 15-year-old name because he's too young, so it was not in papers and stuff. But Sonny Devlin is talking to his girlfriend, and he's like, I really want to impress you, so I know what I'm going to do. He's like, I'm going to take the head of George McKenzie. So... He takes with him like a pillowcase and a knife and him and this 15 year old friend, they head on over to Greyfriars Kirk. Is that right? Yes. I'm so tired. Do you know it? Nope. Have you been there? I just like it. You just what? I just trust you. Yeah. It's Greyfriars Kirkyard. So they head on over to Greyfriars Kirkyard and he, it's in the middle of the night and he opens up the mausoleum. He gets down near the caskets he pries it open and he sees the body. Now, in the newspaper articles, there is no confirmation that this is Sir George Bloody Mackenzie's corpse. What we do know is that this 17 year old kid takes his knife and he saws off the head of a body. Now, his 17 year old. Did you say his knife? His knife. <laughs> <laughs> you were so worried about saying the place right and then you say nice <laughs> I thought I'm it was so a different tired. kind of weapon I was like a nice he takes a nice knife <laughs> it's a brand it's name his really you, you nice know knife. it's actually European and you wow. wouldn't know it and that's on you and I think it's just pronounced so you know- nice in that case <laughs> shit <laughs> shit shit okay so what happens is this 17-year-old Sonny Devlin goes with his 15-year-old friend. They go to this mausoleum. They open it up. They open up a casket. I do not know if the body belongs to Sir George Bloody Mackenzie, but this kid takes a knife and he saws off the head of one of the corpse he finds. He then takes this head out. And I, I, okay, this is where it gets really fucked for me. He apparently puts his fingers in it and acts like a puppet. <gasps> and our tour guide talked about it. It was like, the only way you could do that is if there is still flesh connecting oh my God. the bones. Oh my God. This kid also simulates a sex act with the head. Okay. This kid needs therapy. This kid is a bad egg, man. I... And maybe it's the 15-year-old. I think it was mostly this kid, Sonny Devlin. At the time, 
a, uh, the person who ran the tour um, that I was on lived nearby and sort of like looked over the cemetery and kind of heard kids laughing. And he sees these kids with like a pillowcase, like rapping with the head. They're like kicking it. They're playing soccer with it. Apparently like they bring it to their friend. There's, co- co- there's some conflicting stories of how this head ends up getting caught in one version of the story the kids like hear the guy coming and is like hey what's going on so they drop this pillowcase and they make a run for it unbeknownst to them this guy who was going to ask them what's up had already called the police the police arrive and he's holding a pillowcase filled with a corpse head and it's a weird thing to explain but then what happened was is this kid Sonny Devlin brings his girlfriend back to the cemetery to prove that he did in fact get this head the kid is arrested and um, he is charged with ancient legislation. Both of the boys were because nobody does grave robbing anymore. If you remember last episode, that was like really big in the 1800s. In 2003, there's like not a need for bodies. And so I don't think people are like, hey, can you go source some weird old bodies from the graveyard? That's not what people want to do. So they get charged with violation of sepulcher. Um, and again, the body that they they defiled is not known but it was in the Mackenzie mausoleum devlin is sentenced to three years probation and the 15 year old gets two years probation because apparently he was just watching sunny devlin is then within a year convicted of breaking into a flat and stealing two guitars um and if you want to know what devlin is up to now um he went on to become a traffic warden So he's like in charge of parking, like working Hmm. for the government. And then um, his colleagues find out what a little bit about his past, what he's been up to about like three months while he's on the job. And he then loses his job um, because he like didn't pass the probation period, which, again, is confusing to me. They don't do a background check, a traffic warden. But, you know, listen, I'm not a municipal worker. I just play one on TV. Um, But of course, within these disturbances, when... When someone is aggravating the corpse or the mausoleum, there is said to have been more paranormal activity, whether it's people fainting or things appearing in pictures or random scratches. Like they talk about people coming in, not feeling anything, and the next day they receive a bunch of scratches. And I do want to give a little addendum to this story because I went to this tour last night and it was great. It was a really fun tour. And we are heading back after the tour. We're trying to get a little beer um, at a pub, a little snack. And we walk out and this woman who I recognized from our tour had fallen on the street and was crying and couldn't get up. No. And it was very strange. And I don't think, I don't think there's a connection, but like this group that was on the tour with us. you don't know because you just kept walking. You didn't check on her. (laughs) No, I did. It's that thing. Of course we stopped and we kind of did that thing where like, the person was surrounded by a lot of people. And oh, right, I don't right, know right. If adding my two cents was going to nope. help the situation. It might have certainly made not. me feel better. I will admit it might have made me feel better because when you watch that, you feel helpless and you can't do anything. But it did feel like other people had a, a handle on the situation. But she was just fully collapsed in the law and the in the street. That is so rough. Right Didn't after you think- our ghost tour. Well, I don't you'll know. never I don't know. Think there's you'll a correlation. never know. We'll never did know. you get any scratchies? I did not get any. I was checking my body after, and I got no scratches. But I am on my period, so I do think that could be related. There will be blood. (laughs) 
maybe the ghost was like, ooh, unclean. Or maybe the ghost was like, ooh, she's got it bad enough. I see the cramps coming. Let her go. Hey. Let her go. Let her go. She's got enough to worry about without scratchies. Let her go. She doesn't need it. Look at her. (laughs) She's shedding enough uterine lining for the both of us. Let's move on. (laughs) You know? That's what they said to me. That's that's what I imagine. And I think that's how we equalize. I think because I know I'm not going to be seen as an equal in this world, but I'm hoping in the second world, amongst ghosts, I'll be seen as an equal. For sure. A girl can dream. You deserve it. A girl can dream. I can't wait to see what uh, Portuguese carry brings to the table. Um, I certainly Uh, hope Portugal's got some wackadoo stories that are ripe for the telling. I do love... You know, I love doing a travel story. It excites me. I love a little tour. I hope you like it. I love Um, it. And I am leaving for Lisbon tomorrow, so I will leave you with a couple of things. In Portuguese, thank you is obrigada. Well, obrigada. So obrigada to our dearest readers. And if you are Portuguese, please tell me how I'm saying that because it's most likely wrong, but I'm trying. Um... I am so excited to sleep, but I'm also so grateful for each and every one of you. And I'm so glad we gathered here. And Quinn, I love you. And I'm so glad to see you. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it was great to gather. Now let's disperse. Disperse. Disperse.